It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, and welcome to the Football Fanalytics Podcast the show that combines our love of football and bang average Sunday league playing experiences with our knowledge of football statistics and data analytics. You've joined us at episode 11 and this week we're talking about forwards. My name is Ryan Bailey and joining me, he has a flag on his wall that says football fanalytics podcast in that order. (laughs) It's Mark Carey. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, mate. So much has changed and so much has happened since we last recorded the the last pod so much up in the transfer window we've got gareth bale stuff kicking off we've got tiago stuff kicking off the closer we get to the end of the transfer window the more it hots up and i'm getting really excited you hear every year don't you the gareth bale rumors and it's always man united but actually what a sensational turnaround to all of a sudden he's you know he's off the golf course into the airport and he's uh, and he's back in tottenham that's bonkers yeah did you see that apparently he's booked a tea time he booked the tea time <laughs> in England, like knowing that he was going to come there that quickly, which, I mean, get your priorities straight. Maybe sign the contract. I mean, contract. to be fair, if I were their marketing team, though, I'd be going to town on the on the golf thing. He laughs at himself, which is the only thing you can do. But anyway, how's your week been, mate? Yeah, good, mate. Um, I played five aside for the first time in six months this week, which I can only describe as a harrowing experience. Um, I've <laughs> never been particularly fit anyway. Uh, but then playing for the first time in six months of, you know, lockdown and everything else that's been going on, it was it was really quite a shock. I mean, it was brilliant. Don't get me wrong to get back out there, but um, yeah, I'd love to be able to start playing five aside again. I've not played for six months. Yeah, I mean, it'll take a couple of weeks, I think, to get anywhere near some level of remembering how to kick the ball. But uh, I've made the first step. But the most exciting thing was actually I play at Shoreditch High Street in London and they have these really old pitches but they've redone the surface so whereas before when you fell over it was like really grazed knee territory <laughs> you'd get burned yeah exactly it's um they've now got something that resembles thicker 4G grass on the pitch and so I got there and it was like whoa they've really done this up so anyway I'm using that as an excuse to get rid of my old Astros and maybe get some new moldies I'm thinking get myself some nice boots but then I started looking and something that shows my age you know 
they really don't make decent football boots anymore, in my opinion. How old does that make me sound? But like, I went to have a look at you know what I could get, and aside from still being able to buy you know some Copper Mondales or something, the colours on these boots, I tell you, mate, no, nothing like when I was uh, into my football boots back in the day. Are you more old school, go for nice black and white? Are you more colourful football boots? My favourite pair of boots were the 2002 classic Beckham Predator Manias. So they were black, red and white, weren't they? And then I eventually evolved into the champagne ones, which were the, uh, you know, the, the kind of like off-white ones that he had when he moved to Madrid. They were the best boots I ever remember having. And back in the day, they were what everyone went to. You either went like Predators or Nike Vapors or something, didn't you? Oh, mate, I had some Predators when I was a kid. And I think it was when I was like 14 and they were the best boots I have yeah. ever had. Which ones were they? They were red Predators. So they were Adidas Predator Absolute. Oh, yeah. The, abso- the Absolutes. And, yeah, yeah. They, and they were absolutely brilliant. <laughs> they were absolutely I, I, class. Honestly. And it, I remember because my dad used to work next to, um, like a, it was like a, tra- it was called the trainer shop. Yeah. And, uh, and they'd get different kind of boots in each week. And sometimes they might be rubbish. Sometimes they might be good. But he'd always just pop in and check in like his lunch break. And he brought some back from when I was 13, 14. And he was like, oh, these, these look good. Like, what do you reckon to these? And they were the Adidas Predator, red Adidas Predators. Unbelievable. Yeah. And I used to take photos of them. You know, where you can do it where they, like one's at an angle, the other one's on the top. And they were, <laughs> honestly, they were my pride and joy for like, yeah so good and then i ended up getting rid of them sell it because i outgrew them yeah and i sold them on to or maybe gave them to my friend anish who was a listener of the pod so yeah. anish if you've still got them then please please show them me back. them <laughs> yeah no i'm still too big take a few them, nice but... angle photos of them and send them back honestly yeah oh, they were my <laughs> pride and joy I think you do develop that, don't you? As you get slightly older into your playing career, you kind of move on from the shiny, I'm going to get pink boots to, you know, a nice pair of, I remember I had some Adipures that were like black and white. And and the black boot becomes like a thing that you is all of a sudden more appealing, isn't it? To, than it might have been when you were a bit younger. Yeah, 100%. I couldn't get away with wearing coloured boots now anyway, but I've got some, yeah, some plain Adidas black and white ones. Yeah, it's... It, I think you spoke about this before, where certain type of boots denote a certain type of player. And I don't think I can get away with anything that's <laughs> other than black and white right now. It's like when you turn up to a Sunday league game, you can like analyse the player's boots to where you think they're going to end up playing. So if some player's wearing a classic set of like Puma Kings, you're fairly sure they're going to be the hardcore centre-back, I'd say. <laughs> and then, you know, someone who's wearing the Mercurials, the, you know the lime green boots probably going to play on the wing probably going to be quite fast probably also got the personalized boots as well yeah 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 i have had a pair of those in the past won't lie love them <laughs> um you know the player in the middles the classy sort of number eights probably wearing a pair of copa mondiales or you know i'd say i'd say the predators are a nice predators uh, I'd a say, nice yeah. center midfield sort of position indicator i'd say who knows what the left back's wearing you feel like if the <laughs> the person who's been stuck at left back before left backs became cool is probably wearing a, a pair of like Sondicos or something. Sondicos. <laughs> yeah, Sondicos, you know. Yeah, that's probably typecasting Sondicos slightly. Sorry, Sondicos. But, um, <laughs> you know, you, you can get some kind of gauge of what people are wearing, I'd say. Other football brands are available, we must, <laughs> must also say here. Yeah. Um, oh, mate, as with, as with everything, with, with kits as well, we could talk about this all day, couldn't we? Yeah, we could. Final note on a pair of boots that I did have, which I absolutely wore into the ground. I used to have the 
gold Ronaldinho Tiempos. Um, yes. Do you remember them that he did? Yeah. He had that advert, didn't he, where he smashed the ball against the crossbar three times. So I immediately wanted to wear the boots he was wearing. Actually, <laughs> they might have been white, but I definitely had the golders. And I wore them so much that I had to then tape around the toe so that I could still play in them rather than I just remember buy those. Pervis. I remember yeah. when we used to play on a Monday, you used to you used to look they I mean the they best. were brilliant boots, but they looked scruffy because you had tape on them. It got to the point it was ridiculous. Anyway, you know, maybe one day we'll have a designed fanalytics set of boots. Sondico will contact you if you'd like to sort <laughs> us out with some <laughs> Okay, so today's episode, we're taking another deep dive into some analytics work that Mark has done. You'll remember from episode two, we looked at midfield playing styles, and this is building off of that. So this time, we're going to look at forwards and how we can use analytics to find which forwards are similar in their style and profile compared with other players. Now, Mark, I love talking about strikers. You've done some work on this. Tell us what you've done. Well, I'll start with kind of why why I've done it and why now really because I mean the transfer window is closing in maybe two and a bit weeks now so October the 5th across Europe and I thought this would be a a good time to speak about this because I guess with everything that's going on in the world at the moment football clubs aren't really wanting to to spend millions of pounds unnecessarily I mean a lot of clubs even the biggest clubs are losing millions of pounds per game in revenue so the purse strings are quite tight and tighter than ever really across across the world in terms of spending money on new signings. So I wanted to return to my analytics work to to show that there's certain sort of analysis that you can do that might be useful from a recruitment perspective. So optimize yes. your signings in the transfer window and sort of do smart business and make decisions that are very much grounded in good evidence and and more from a, with a statistical basis which is really um, important isn't it if clubs have to be so careful at the moment surely all the support analytically they can get to make the right decisions becomes very important all of a sudden doesn't it yeah i mean even at the best of times you don't really want to make a mistake and and have a bit of a flop of a player that's that costs you millions of pounds and then you know ends up being um, not very good or just is a very good player but just doesn't fit the mold of your club so however best you can optimize that using yeah, using analytics and using analysis, um, the better. So I thought this is what I'd, I'd look at so that clubs could, you know, maximize efficiency and value in the market and help help their search and use it as a bit of a tool to to help filter their search to look at certain players. Um, so that's why I've done it, first of all. And what I've done is an analysis which basically allows you to look at a certain player that you might be interested in, but it might be the case that you maybe can't afford that player because they are maybe one of the, the world leading players, but you like their sort of playing profile, their playing style. So you might have to compromise your search a little bit and find another player who is similar to their style, but might be yeah more affordable. So in the same mold, basically in the set in the same mold. Yeah. So it's kind of building on what we did in episode two, which we can come on to and essentially creating a tool, which will allow you to look at a certain player and say who is similar to them in their style and almost create a shortlist based on that to then dig a little bit deeper and go into other sort of form of video analysis and live scouting for that player in the, in terms of the transfer window. Okay, sweet. So before we move into the actual nitty gritty of the analysis, why specifically forwards? Why have you chosen to work on them? Well, I guess forwards are the ones where you want to get it. I mean, you want to get it right for every position, of course, but forwards are the ones where you're very much judged at the, you know, right at the top end of the field. So you want to get those right. But this sort of word that I've done has come off the back of um, a guest blog that I did for a, for a company called Delflix. Um, so shout out to Delflix. They're a 
football consultancy um, and they essentially look to make informed decision making in football um, and drive kind of innovation and work with a lot of football clubs um, on that so I did a guest blog for them and at the time this is going back a, a month or two ago and at the time I was looking to see who could be a replacement for Arcadius Milik at right. Napoli and he's still at Napoli but very much looking to to leave and I think yeah I think he's going to be going to to Roma very soon and Napoli were heavily linked with Victor Osimen at the yes. time who has since gone to Napoli um, and essentially my analysis was looking to see if Napoli couldn't get Victor Osimhen who would be in a similar mould and profile to to him, who could who they could maybe, you know, search for and, and find at a cheaper price or at a different price. It's very um, useful. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So so I thought, let's return to this analysis with regard to forwards. Let's look at it with more updated numbers, you know, since a couple of months ago and see where there might be similarities in styles for clubs to to help in their transfer hunt. So that's why, you know, I've gone for forwards building off an analysis that I'd done previously with with a bit more of an updated data set. Excellent. So you said before that this is building off the midfield playing styles analysis that we featured in episode two. For anyone who hasn't listened to episode two, why don't you remind us about how the first part of the analysis comes together and then we can move on later into how you've built on it. Sounds good. So the first bit that I did with all of this analysis to look at, first of all, playing styles of forwards was to do a principal components analysis. And similar to last time, I'll just mention that once because the technical term isn't needed. What essentially what it does, the analysis figures out relationships and patterns in a data set so that it can basically simplify it into a lot fewer categories of information. So what it's done is, and what the, what I've entered into this analysis is a lot of individual metrics and uh, things that happened on the field. So things like dribbles, things like key passes, things like shots, pressures, interceptions, how many passes that they the player receives, how much they make. And essentially what the analysis does is reduce all of those. So I had 23 for this analysis in total, and yeah. it just reduces it down into broader categories which are common to those variables so as we said before things like dribbles carrying the ball that is deemed to be more progressive play so if you can sort of theme it like that yeah. but it still keeps that key information so essentially the analysis brings a large number of individual metrics and simplifies it into broader categories into more like similar styles and things that work together yeah exactly so it's it's a simplification sort of um, analysis and we can go through essentially similar to the midfield playing styles i found five styles um, of play for forwards um, which we can come on to based on 23 individual metrics and just to clarify we're not talking straight up number nines here are we forwards count as you know you're attacking wingers and players who operate in the final third essentially it doesn't have to be strictly we're not talking about just strikers here are we no no exactly that yeah so the the players that i entered um it was from fb ref is the website whose data is um given by stats bomb and it's the the, the type of players is yeah so it was titled as forwards or forward midfielders so yeah your likes of <laughs> i was going to straight go to mo salah then but of course you were of course, but yeah, it's not not necessarily your out and out number nines, your Jamie Vardy's, your Lewandowski's. It's um, yeah, forward players, and there was three hundred and twenty one forwards who were entered into this analysis based on all of the the forwards within the top five European leagues. Lovely, and also love how you've done the thing that we always laugh at: your Lewandowski's, your Jamie Vardy's. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, it's such that football cliches thing of your Sergio Aguero's. 
<laughs> all those Jamie Vardys that you have. All those many Jamie Vardys that exist. <laughs> Completely undermines the chant of like, there's only one, one Jamie, Jamie Vardy. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, I love this chat. So let's crack on with the five different categories, shall we? Okay, so let's briefly touch upon the five categories um, that I've mentioned that it's been boiled down to from those 23 metrics. So if I just list them out, first of all, then we can go through each one. So the playing styles that I've got out of these forwards are creative passing, progressive play, defending from the front, connecting the play, and direct goal threat. So those are the five styles that we've got. And just to clarify, a player can fall into a couple of them, can't they? You're not explicitly one or the other. You can have traits that enter into both. Absolutely. You could be all five. It's, it's Which those... I am. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a really direct goal threat. In your dreams, yeah. So you could, <laughs> spot on there, Ryan, you can be any any one of those five to, to a greater or lesser degree. Um, but it's just those sorts of styles which are... Which, I've found exist within the all these types of forwards here. So if I said to you, just quickly, we'll, we'll briefly go over them. Creative passing, what do you think kind of goes into that sort of style? Okay, so apart from the obvious of being a creative player, I'm guessing it's kind of like a, a false ninety sort of player who comes and receives the ball and then plays in balls, you know, through to the wingers or spreads the ball out wide, you know, who makes a lot of key passes, I'm guessing and who is a bit of a playmaker as opposed to you know someone who's on the end of everything yeah i think that's i think that's well said yeah so the the sort of things that score highly in the creative passing category or theme is progressive passes so getting that ball and moving it forward passes into the penalty area key passes shot creating actions as well so the type of players who score highly on this is um, Suso, who is okay. uh, AC Milan, former Liverpool player, of course. Um, Dimitri Payet, uh, Angel Di Maria. Um, we've got Alexis Sanchez uh, into these sorts of um, forwards who are creative yeah. um, and just, just behind the, the striker often. So really then, uh, that's a lot of wide forwards as well. It's not just your false nines, as I said, or, or your number tens. That's a lot of wide players because I guess the... the crosses and the sort of through balls from wide count towards those things don't they yeah yeah so that's the sort of category of player that we spoke about when we said it's not just strikers it's yeah it's forward players and as you yeah. say kind of yeah wide forwards is, is would be quite quite the type of, uh, of player here yeah nice um so then we've got progressive play as the second uh theme or category what do you think's on this one i'm gonna take a guess at more dribbling so i think progressing it via carrying the ball with it. a ball carrier let's say so i'm guessing at someone like alan st maximum martial maybe he i saw him do a lot of dribbling towards the end of the project restart um yeah i'm gonna go for players who who have dribbling ability and carry the ball well yeah I, again you, you you said that really well there so yeah the type of player to high on sort of dribbles progressive distance carried carrying the ball a lot of touches in um the mid and attacking third and receiving a lot of passes so kind of getting it and taking it further at the field really okay. yeah so yeah well well done spot on there um type of player there is adama Traore, aiden hazard yes, of course frank ribery of course Lionel messi Jaden sancho's up there as well so that kind of fits with that sort of mold of style if that that makes sense players who are gonna like take you on or like you know try and go around the outside and yeah those kind of ones yeah exactly that yep so that's the second one 
Third one, um, no prizes for this one as we've had in the past. Defending from the front. It's got to be like pressing, hasn't it? And interceptions and tackling, I guess, in the forward positions. Yeah, exactly that, which is more important now than ever, really. I mean, it's always been important, but a lot of teams are now set up for a, a high press and making sure that their intensity is starting their first line defences in the attack. So. It's demanded a lot more of players, isn't it, at the moment? You can't just get away with not tracking back and not 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 putting in the shift up front defensively. Exactly, yeah. So um, those sorts of players, actually a lot of Man City players are high up here. So Bernardo Silva's uh, out on top, yeah, which you'd expect with their I w- intensity. Yeah, I wouldn't have known who to guess with this one as much in terms of, I would have thought the Liverpool three were high up on this list as well. Yeah, I mean, Firmino's up there in the in the top twenty of this sort of style. Yeah. Um. But yeah, the the likes of you, Gabriel Jesus, he's a nuisance, isn't he? When in terms yeah. of um, nuisance, that's down. a good word for it. He is a bit of a nuisance. An irritant. Yeah, Serge Gnabry's up there as well. So, um, yeah, players who who press from the front exactly. Lovely. That. So, um, the fourth one, connecting the play. So, what do you think to this one? This one's a trickier one slightly. I'm going to guess that it's someone who is asked to do more of a simple linking sort of role, maybe. So I would have actually put Firmino potentially high up on this one in terms of dropping deep to allow others to go forward, maybe. More difficult, this one, I think. Yeah, this one is a little bit a bit more difficult. But maybe when I sort of describe some of the, the players, you might get it a little bit. So Isco comes out on top of this sort of style. Okay. So essentially, this sort of style looks to... A lot of short passes, a lot of medium passes and passes into the final third. So that kind of link play maybe a little bit. Yeah. who just sees a lot of the ball and maybe the, the attack kind of goes through this player. So Isco and Messi at the a top. Bit of an enganche. Enganche, yes. That's right. I know the word enganche. <laughs> Someone's been playing football manager. <laughs> so yeah, that kind of, yeah. So the ball goes through this player quite a lot. Paolo Dybala's uh, high on this one as well. So See, they're um, also quite creative players that you're saying as well, aren't they? So as we mentioned, it's not necessarily you only connect the play. It's that you can fall into multiple categories at the same time. Absolutely, yeah. All five styles could represent you, but it's just having that, essentially saying that I have this sort of attribute within my game. Yes, yes. In your locker. In your locker, yeah. And you can have, <laughs> yeah, as I say, you can have some more than others and that's fine, but it's, it's some might be very high on, you know, direct goal threat, which is the next one. There might just be your fox in the box, your number nines and don't do much else. And that's okay. Yeah. That's the certain style that a club or a team might want. So yeah, and some might be completely evenly distributed, bit of a jack of all trades and that's okay too. So absolutely spot on, right? So the, the final one, giving it away, but said it already. Direct goal threat. Well, this has got to be a fox in the box, hasn't it? You're straight up marksman is what I'm going for here. Uh, it's going to have to be a player's like Sergio Aguero, someone who is on the end of things, is receiving those progressive passes and is the finisher. So high on finishers, I'd expect, and shots. Just just, just someone who, who takes the chances, I would imagine. Yeah, again, no prizes for that one. But um, yeah, spot on. And what, what is important to say, as with the, the last analysis, which we spoke about in episode two, is that the, what I've entered in here isn't necessarily something where the players have had success, so to speak. So I've not included goals or assists because that will might completely skew the output what we're looking here is for style so not necessarily someone who scores loads of goals but maybe someone who takes loads of shots and that's a stylistic choice that they might take a lot of shots so so you're not necessarily saying that people who register highly on here are the best strikers you're just saying that's something that they attempt a lot or is is part of their game yes exactly that so this sort of style is someone who has a lot of touches within the attacking penalty area does have a lot of shots 
and has a lot of goal creating actions gotcha. so not necessarily goals but um you're absolutely in the right ballpark ryan killian mbappe is comes out on top here sergio aguero second mo salah third yeah. Luis muriel fourth Joseph Ilicic fifth cristiano ronaldo sixth gabriel jesus yeah. dries mertens this is a it's a absolute goal fest yes an absolute who's who of uh, of top class forwards here so yeah. those are the five just uh, to to cover them all creative passing Excellent. progressive play defending from the front connecting the play and direct goal threat and as we spoke about you can be you can score highly on any one of those five or all of them if 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 necessary lovely stuff so that's the first part which we've covered extensively in the past as well as just then you've mentioned before that from the midfield analysis you've built on that for the forwards so what's the next part yeah so as we spoke about in episode two and and just then this initial analysis this principal components analysis allows us to reduce the dimensionality of the data which put simply is just saying it allows us to statistically simplify it okay okay so what we do then is then take that forward to explore on a player by player basis so before as we just said then we can look at a player and see who scores highly on this type of profile but the next half of the analysis is what's called a cluster analysis and what it does is take into account all the information of all those five styles that we spoke about yep. all at once and pull them together so that it essentially clusters or clumps the players who are similar to each other together and separates them from those who are a little bit different so gotcha. now this is that from a you know from an applied perspective allows us to then look at you know if you were to ask me which player is like Gabriel Jesus but isn't Gabriel Jesus then this sort of analysis allows you to look at which other players specifically are similar or dissimilar in their profile it's a good comparison tool basically it's exactly that yeah so you can say find me someone who is similar to to this sort of person great stuff so i'm following you so far without going too far specifically into details then can you roughly tell me how you put this together in sort of broad strokes yeah so essentially how i've landed on finding who is similar to to another is one part of the analysis essentially spits out what's called a proximity matrix. All that really means is that it essentially assigns a number to how similar player X is to all others within the within the data set. So as I said, there's 321 players there. So for player one, how similar are they to player two, three, all the way up to you know 320? And then all you then look at is to say, okay, with the lower the number, the more similar two players are to each other. And the higher the number, the less similar they are. So if it was me and you and we compared my number to you and it was two, then we are more similar compared to another player whose number between me and them is 10. And it's all those actions that you mentioned before, isn't it? So if player X and player Y have a very similar number of shots, they've got a very similar level of key passes, etc. Does that then clump them initially in the same category? But then if they've got their numbers are even more similar that makes them yeah similar yeah and i guess there's two parts to that is that 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 part one of doing that initial um simplification method using that principal component analysis means that you're then using that to take that to the next step rather than doing all 23 so we've already got an idea of reducing the 23 down to the five and then taking those five per player forward into this next analysis but you do make a good point because that's maybe a weakness potentially of the analysis is that it only does it based on those who are highly similar so there might be someone who's really similar to continuing our example of Gabriel Jesus 
but then they might be even better on one part of those five themes but then because it, they're different on one it will then bump them down the list of similarity but it might be that they're actually better on that so that's a weakness potentially of the analysis that unless they are super similar yes on all five or all as many of those that we put in as possible it won't necessarily put them as similar so there's strengths gotcha. and weaknesses of the analysis but I think it still is a useful tool and a starting point to then see who might be similar to certain players. Lovely. Okay, Mark, well, enough flirting me and telling me what it's like. Let's put it into practice. Let's have a look at it. Right, Mark, you've sent me a link. I'm looking at it now and I can see the title, Find Me a Forward Similar to... dot dot dot, which is making me feel very excited. So can you tell me what I'm looking at? Yeah, so essentially this is a, a dashboard or a bit of an interactive tool which builds on everything that I've just said with that analysis. So it allows you to type in any forwards name from that data set for all of those forwards within the top five European leagues. You type in the player's name and it will spit out the top 10 players who are most similar to that player. Fantastic. And we can include this link in the bio for the listeners to have a play around with themselves. And we'll also include the link to another dashboard, which I've included, which actually then allows you to look at the playing styles of those five that we spoke about you know, in the first half to actually have a play around to, to compare players between each other once you've had a look to see um, who's most similar to them. So two dashboards, two interactive tools for the listeners to play with. Brilliant. I mean, I can think already of about 20 different games that you could play actually messing around with this tool. But obviously what we're trying to do is find a forward similar to for all the reasons that we've said before. So shall I throw a few examples at you and see how it works? Let's have a play of the dashboard as we go then, yeah. Okay, well, first of all then, let's go topical. So... A lot I've been reading at the moment has been how Spurs are struggling, if not struggling, but kicking their heels a bit in finding a backup for Harry Kane, which has been a problem for as long as I can remember reading in the last couple of years, um, trying to find a backup striker. Clearly, Daniel Levy hasn't got your number, Mark, and hasn't looked at your interactive dashboard, else he would have done something about it by now. But if I asked you to find me a forward like Harry Kane, what are we saying? Yeah, let, we, can, we can do that using the dashboard. I think just quickly, an interesting thing to say on that is that I guess as a club, you can take you can approach that from two perspectives because if you want to find a player similar to the player that you already have, then yeah, you can do it like this way, you know, compare it with Harry Kane. But another option would be that you might want to have a specific target as a bit of an alternative in style yes. so that then you can you still use the same dashboard, of course, but then you can actually look to see, okay, well, we want someone who's very different to Harry Kane, but might offer us something you know different in attack so that's like when they had Fernando Llorente didn't they they had a different option to bring on to you know kill off the game in a different way yeah exactly a plan b so yeah we can look at who's similar to Harry Kane here but it's also interesting that the Tottenham as a club might have a, a different player in mind but they might I mean Arcadius Milik that I spoke about before was a target for Tottenham and an alternative really? to to Kane as well. So quite a hard sell to be fair, isn't it? Though if you're trying to, I think that's the problem they've got, isn't it? In more depth of trying to convince someone that they're not just going to be a backup to Harry Kane because at the moment no one's going to displace him from his spot, are they? No, no, exactly that. Okay, so I'm typing in Harry Kane's name and then popping up. Okay, Harry Kane, Tottenham Premier League. Oh, there's a list of players. Right then, who've we got? Yeah, so we've got so the the player. Profile most similar to Harry Kane here is Dario Benedetto at Marseille. You got Ludovic Ajorke from Strasbourg. Ooh, you did a good job at pronouncing his name. <laughs> or um, William Jose at Real Sociedad. I'm doing all the accents here, Ryan. 
Yeah, but just at just at the bottom then, where it says distance of similarity. So if that's a naught point two zero, that's the closest someone's style is. That's Dario Benedetto. That's the closest someone's style is to Harry Kane, right? Yeah, and the the, the distance obviously will vary depending on who you type in. But yeah, the, this is why Harry Kane is at the top because he's zero in terms of distance of similarity because there's no one more similar to Harry Kane than Harry Kane. Than Harry Kane, yeah. So there's only one Harry Kane. There's only one <laughs> Harry Kane, exactly. Yeah. So then it will build from there as the you know the distance of who's um, you know closest and then slowly further away. So. The, the good thing about this dashboard as well, I think, is that, yeah, it will show the comparison players, but what you can do on the right-hand side is um, filter based on age as well. So it oh, might be, yes. so at the moment it goes from 16 to 37 in terms of age, but, you know, as a, as a club, Tottenham might, well, maybe not with Gareth Bale, but um, they might want to look more towards, you know, youth and players who are, players who are younger and might have a better sell on, you know, that's quite common in clubs now. So, you know, I filtered it here, Ryan, for someone who's between 16 and 25 and Dario Benedetto's name falls off the list. Right, okay. Because he's 33, so it might not be the, the best choice. So it, it gives you, you know, options if you were to have a play around with it, especially from, you know, a club's perspective to say, okay, well, we do want this sort of player, but we want this sort of age as well. I've never thought of Callum Wilson as a similar player to Harry Kane, interestingly, and he's on this list in the top 10. Yeah, and this is where we can then look at the other dashboard that we've got and then look at them of where they fall on playing styles so let's do that okay so i'm on the other dashboard then and i can see our five styles of play previously discussed i guess i'm typing in harry kane again so if you yeah so if you type in harry kane and callum wilson you'll see a visual representation of where they fall in their playing style compared to everyone else so there's visualization comparing harry kane and wilson okay so doing that says here that Callum Wilson's got more direct goal threat than Harry Kane. No way. Yeah, I mean, they, they are still kind of similar. It's just maybe he's got, you know, the edge. But they, it, it shows that they are fairly similar in their, yeah. in their profile. They're not completely similar, but they are somewhat similar. And then I suppose when you look at it, that in terms of their expected goals and non-penalty expected goals, which just sharpens it, so any expected goals from open play, Harry Kane had 0.32 non-penalty expected goals and Callum Wilson was 0.31. So whilst that's not entered into the analysis, then you can start to look into the the goals and assists beyond that. It shows that they are actually fairly similar once you've looked at their style and then you'd be like, okay, well now let's look at what their actual goal and assist output is, which I've just dug into. Um, They are actually somewhat similar from last season at least. Brilliant. So yeah, I suppose you can use both of those dashboards in tandem. So you could look at that initial one in terms of player similarity, find a player who's similar, it will draw up a bit of a short list and then you can go on the second one and then actually look to see where they fall within their style. Or of course you can go straight to the second one and just play around with which players you want and then it will say where they where they fall on which style according to the, the data. Lovely stuff. All right then, let's do one more. You pick this time. Okay, so I was thinking because... Memphis Depay might be leaving Lyon for Barcelona and a lot of speculation associated with him that I thought that um, maybe we could look at who's similar in profile to him. And I also thought that it would be really interesting to to look at Depay because I don't know whether you know this. Do you know that he used analytics to actually inform his move to Lyon in the first place? Do you know about this? I did not know this, but bravo Memphis Depay. Yeah, so essentially he worked with uh, a company called SciSports um, and they specialize in analytics and data intelligence and basically approached them to say which teams might be 
most suitable for the style that Depay plays in. So it's kind of flipping on its head a little bit to yeah. say, I am the player, which team styles might be most suited to, to me. That's class that he went out and did that. So yeah, him, him and his agent yeah, basically approached Sci Sports and they basically asked them to, to provide and deliver a, a data-driven report and help him make the decision for his next step. And based on all of the, the styles that he wanted, where he wanted to make sure that he had the license to be creative and not too much defensive duties so that he could yeah. actually go and express himself, um, they, they landed on, on Leon. And, uh, and it worked out pretty well for him because he's been lighting it up, hasn't he, in, in Ligue 1? Well, definitely more so than he did at Man United, yeah. Although really interestingly, on this list, Marcus Rashford is the person who it says is most similar to... Uh, Memphis Depay and he basically stepped in didn't he when Depay was there timing wise yeah yeah which is interesting it just shows how you know it, it doesn't always just come down to the data as to who might be a good fit for you know for the club it might have just been a right player wrong time but yeah um, it's still you know Rashford is a similarly creative player who likes to get at the the defender so it fits that he's that sort of similar style player um, but yeah I just thought it was interesting just to quickly note that that is uh using analytics for Depay is something that's uh, that's not lost on him. So if you're listening, Leon, and you'd like to find a forward similar to Depay, Mark's got something to do it with here. <laughs> Again, no pressure. So yeah, as you said, Ryan, Marcus Rashford, in, in terms of the profile, comes out as most similar to Memphis Depay, which is interesting. Um, Dejan Kulosevsky from, from Parma comes out very similar as well. And Gerard De La Feu, uh, at Watford, um, this is, as I say, this is taken from last year, so it was his Premier League season that yeah. this is informed, um, which again kind of goes goes similar. It's someone who, yeah, likes to be on the front foot and likes to likes to get at the defender and, and dribble past them. So it, it does follow. And again, you can filter it on age how you wish to sort of chop it. But yeah, interesting to see that, as you said, that Rashford is uh, similar to Depay in his in his profile. And just one thing I want to say as well is that it's very difficult to always reliably compare across leagues because right okay yes the leagues are gonna uh, top five european leagues are somewhat similar in the uh, in the upper echelons of the you know the leagues that exist worldwide but there is something to be said about the the league difficulty you know if you're comparing gotcha. the premier league with league one it's slightly different um in terms of the league quality and also the league style as well yeah, so definitely across across all leagues in you know in the world some might be more ball playing leagues you know some might be more might have more aerial duels might have you know the ball might be up in the air quite a lot more so you need to take into account as well as the player how they might fit within the league that they may be going into as well and that's where you know the experts from the football clubs will take those sorts of things into account as well it's really good i i could i'm gonna have a little play with this for a while no do do that's what that's what i created it for and for the listeners as well i'd advise that probably have a play around with the dashboard on a computer or a laptop more so than their phone it doesn't work as well with the phone but hopefully people will will have the opportunity to play around with it well mark from my point of view it's another triumph for analytics but as always when looking at your analysis i want to ask you how this is useful and how it can be applied in the context of football clubs and the wider footballing world what what What's the conclusion we can draw from looking at this analysis? Yeah, well, I guess we kind of touched upon it throughout and definitely spoke about it at the the top of the the episode of how we need to, you know, football clubs now more than ever want to optimise their efficiency and make sure that they're getting more value in the market because of all the uncertainty that's going on in the world at the moment. And I just think this analysis can help to do that, to be a 
cost efficient and time efficient resource to allow you to yeah make the first step and filter who might be useful in the sort of player that you're looking for in the market rather than the reverse which you know not many clubs do now but the reverse just being simply video analysis and just scouring through loads of video and seeing who might fit this is a really good tool to just act as a first starting point to then dig into the video and that's something which you know tom goodall spoke about in episode seven which was you know how uh, you know his analysis is is that first step to to act as a filter to then go and use your more traditional methods you know as i mentioned video and live scouting methods so it's a start point but it's not an end point this sort of thing it's a good filter system um, and without bias as well this sort of analysis you know it's not it's not that a certain staff member within the club thinks oh i sort of like this player i think he's going to yeah. be the next best thing it takes all the the emotion out of it as as i like to do on the pod yeah. and uh, <laughs> and keeps keeps the you know the hard cold facts um and you know without bias with with no knowledge of football this analysis allows you to to filter um, and to use a starting point to then um, maximize your your efficiency in the market it takes away the um the urge to go for stardust as well a little bit doesn't it you know so how many players have we seen have been bought because you know the club or the chairman or someone wanted to make a star signing you know like I'm, i had a thought top of my head radamel falcao back in 2014 for man united massive name but completely unthought out wasn't it and it was just such a flop when um when it happened whereas having taken a bit of that sparkle off and just gone is he the right fit for what we need at the moment that would have really helped a lot of the time i would imagine yeah exactly that and i think that it this sort of work allows you to avoid those sorts of mistakes and you know i sort of said it again at the top of the episode but it, it it's more likely to kind of save you money or help those who don't have as much money because you know i use the example of gabriel jesus you might start with the sentence you know in a club to say like we want someone who fits the mold of someone like a gabriel jesus and we're like well well we can't afford gabriel jesus so we need to find someone who's similar and who's more affordable so okay step one is let's find someone who's in similar style to him okay now we've got a short list who's actually within our price range and who's more affordable but has that sort of style so you see how it started it's very much step one and then you the, the all of a sudden build. get a list of gabriel jesus's popping up you, yeah. you gabriel jesus you gabriel uh, jesus this world <laughs> exactly you, yeah spot on so yeah um, no, I, yeah totally it's it's very much a step one, but it allows you to then avoid the uh, yeah the glory signing and the the potential mistake, which could cost you a lot of money. Which, as I said, is more important now that that doesn't happen than ever for football clubs. Absolutely. So as you mentioned, the dashboards are in the bio, and we'll also link your guest blog on Milik as well. So listeners, you can go and have a look at that, have a play around, give us your feedback. It really is quite fun when you get involved in it. Yeah, it'll just go into a little bit more detail in that in that blog as well. And that refers to my actual own blog as well, just if people do want to have um, a bit more information, you know, with regard to my methodology, um, which we won't go into in this episode. <laughs> Your philosophy. Yeah, the culture <laughs> and the philosophy. <laughs> Excellent work, Mark. As always, that was cracking. And that brings us to a close. As always, if you've got any questions or messages for us about anything football, please email us at fanalytics.pod at gmail.com or tweet us on at Pod. You can also find us on Instagram. We really do want to hear from you. If you have any ideas or things you'd like us to cover, we're 11 episodes in now, and we're really enjoying all the feedback that we've been getting and all the different contributions from 
outside. So we, please do get in touch and tell us what you'd like to hear us talk about because, you know, this is very much for ourselves, but also we're loving having the input from listeners. So thank you once again for listening and we will see you next time. Sports Social Podcast Network.